G'day everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hidden City Roller Day. I think we're at episode 4 now. I'm your host, Simkov, and I'm joined today by a motley crew of hidden rollers. Uh, we have uh, Toridori, aka Bert, two-time Hatamoto, Oz Discord League organizer, and all-round larrikin. Say hi. What's up? How you doing, guys? <laughs> uh, we got... Merlin, the Phoenix Hatamoto, also the Matamoto, has more playmats than <laughs> anyone I know, and some are great merch. Uh, how, how, how you going, Merlin? Yeah, doing all right. <laughs> Brilliant. And we've got a very special guest today. We've got a multi-national champion of FFG events. I'm not sure what they are, but uh, um, KP, who's been a very strong... Uh, L5R player here locally, and he's helped organize CanCon and a few other events. How's it going, KP? Hey, not too bad. Just to clarify which games um, I yeah. guess I'm national champion for. It was uh, <laughs> Call of Cthulhu LCG twice. Alt once, I think. Oh, Star Wars LCG once as well. I had a fun of playing a Call of Cthulhu game. I like the resource mechanics in that. That game was a lot of fun. I liked it. Yeah. It was quite a well-designed game. I think the themes in it were a little strange in that it didn't really make sense as a Cthulhu game. <laughs> so just card game goes. It was really well-designed. Yeah. What are you guys talking about? There are no other games besides L5R. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out there are. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Not in right. my world, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how's Lion Bert? Let's give us. I think I was thinking about. Oh, why? We don't. We don't want to start with that, bro. Wait, I, we I want to bring, simple... the, bring the mood down with that question <laughs> straight away. <laughs> well, I don't know. I've been in the Lion forums. Some people are pretty upbeat, like the uh, global Discord. They're upbeat. Some. Do you know what? I, I on that note, I would love to give a shout out to the Lion chat because yeah. I just throw <laughs> endless salt. I pour salt into you guys all day long, and you still. <laughs> are the most optimistic bunch of L5R players. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what drugs are on, but it's great. <laughs> well, I think, um, th I mean, Lion are putting up results, right? They did pretty deep in uh, in Houston, I think it was. Was it Houston or what was the latest Kota? It was. Uh, Handsome Dan got to top four with it. And there were, I think Architect Gaming went six and one. With only one, one loss game to uh, Shen, who was the eventual winner. So Does he a couple of people who did well. Does he write his name down as Architect Gaming, like, on the list? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's his, that's his real name, yeah. It's Mr. Gaming for formerly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Why do you think Lion... You think Lion's a bit trash here, don't you, Birdie? Territory. Oh, man. Do you, do, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on this, but... <laughs> what's, your, what's your main no. theme? Well, I think... I think that the new box is a little better than I predicted. I was I shot on it pretty hard when I first read it, uh, and about a month after that, I was I was trash talking it. But I do think it's a little stronger than I anticipated. Um, just the threat of that third conflict has been pretty good and a lot of fun to play. Um, but I still think uh, what it really does is it makes us even more RNG um, based and swingy, at which is was our, our big problem anyway so i think it's just exacerbated that a bit so uh yeah. i think in big tournaments we're not going to be able to win events because of that so you know what i was really surprised about was in our game yesterday how much economy there was not on the rings 
you know, like having you having three conflicts and me having two conflicts mean no fate went onto the rings. Yep, and then and then I was um, playing goblins next <clears throat> to starve yep. you of whatever else you had. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. I think those goblin snakes are great, right? Yeah, hey. um, hey, Go ahead, KB. Uh, I was going to say, when you say it's more RNG-based, you're saying it's because you're much more reliant on kind of breaking almost? Because you have to win by five or more, right, to trigger the... Yeah, I th- I think it just... There are some fast starts you can get with it where you get two charges, turn one, and a reprieve. Or if you're playing Dragon Splash, you, you get the let go for their Pathfinder's Blade or whatever. Um, and it just feels like the old Stronghold was like a consistent boost. Um, it wasn't very gr- good, but it was a consistent every turn. It gave you something. And in this game, there are some games where I I have never triggered the Stronghold. Um, and then there are others where I broke three provinces turn one. So I think there's, there's like a wider range of the, the, the highs are higher and the lows are even lower than but the do you think, Stronghold. I see what you mean. Do you think that the threat of triggering the Stronghold has an effect on the way that your opponent plays cards, though? Like they might overcommit to a to a conflict they wouldn't have otherwise? I do think so. I think um, it usually means that your opponent has to play more defensively. Um, so certain clans don't like doing that. But uh, against Crab, for example, I found that they're quite resilient to it um, because that's their style anyway, is to, is to, is to start off playing defensively. But yeah. against Crane, for instance, um, you can have games where you put so much pressure on them that they just crumble because they're, they're not used to playing like that um but it just depends yeah one of the things it's i've noticed yeah it does seem a lot of fun to play i've noticed a bit of a trend is that they come out of the gates really hard but i've seen quite a few games where lion take the first three provinces within like 10 minutes and then they spend the rest of the game trying to take the box and it a lot of the time it, it can almost time out right like, yeah, which is great for slow players, yeah? So if you go to Worlds this year, play Lion and just break three provinces <laughs> and then stall for 50 minutes. Yeah, slow down. <laughs> <laughs> that is play like waning hostilities and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> is that it slows down the game, but at the same time, it, the turn itself is kind of faster. So don't do that. Uh, you want to true. take some time, think about that second conflict. <laughs> <laughs> and then bust. <laughs> and I think every time there's a regroup phase action window, just say, thinking. <laughs> <laughs> there was a funny, there was a funny um, anecdote about the thinking uh, statement that people do in Jigoku sometimes. It was um, Kalimsha. I was talking about Johnny Shen, how he always does it. He says, thinking, thinking. And he was saying, Kalimsha was saying, every time he says it, I just say, think faster. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, KB, new meta. Yeah, yeah. All these new packs coming out. Has anything surprised you? What do you? What's your hot tip for the for our listeners? Tip is Unicorn is actually pretty good, as I found out by getting smashed by Simkov here about two <laughs> nights ago. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think there was a few a few coin up. tosses, but yeah, the encampment's pretty amazing, right? Yeah, the encampment was insane. It was so good. I think I mean in the game I played against KP is um, there was the encampment and I drew some spyglasses. Turns out card draw is still pretty good, and just being able to get two uses out of every spyglass every turn 
it made it really difficult, like, for... Because I could just... Towards the end, I was... I don't even think I was bidding one, but... Um, yeah. Down right towards the end, but yeah, yeah. There was a time where I had, like, two forbidden libraries, and I was down on cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It was pretty wild. Yeah. Um, also, the mazes. I think there was an early maze you lost, but... Uh, that card's well, strange. Is... Flip, right? So some games, I think every game I've played so far, it's been amazing and it's been 100%. <laughs> and so this was like... <laughs> game. Yeah. For whatever reason, just I did the first one and I'm like, surely it'll work because 50-50 if I've been 100% so far because that's how math works. Yep. But it failed and that was fine. Uh, my strategy with maze. When I say fight, I mean it makes sense. <laughs> I I literally flip a coin, look what it is, and then I'll um adjust my dial accordingly. I I make sure it is pure <laughs> chance. I'm not interested in mind games. Pure chance. Fifty. <laughs> yeah, take, always... take all of those elements out. Yeah. <laughs> ben, ben creates a little area, a little space, and he hunches over it like he's a prisoner guarding his meal, and he rolls his die. And he peeks in to see what it was. <laughs> it's the funniest. It's the funniest fucking flourish you've ever seen in your life. It's great. <laughs> and I'm well, if you try to employ some rock paper scissors style psychology, and it just didn't work. Because <laughs> there was no psychology. There's no mind. My my brain no, is what? empty. <laughs> You're trying to play my games. No. Um, how about you, you Merlin? Embrace the void. That's what's going on. Right? What what do you found in new set, Merlin? Any nuggets? Any nuggets um, of wisdom? Well, I think that I've decided that mazes is, is just way too inconsistent. Um, spreading the darkness is really nice, but the two the two honor cost is uh, is a bit high for me. So I got to be a little bit boring, and I'm going back to the good old dragon splash in my phoenix. But um, I'm, yeah, I'm really actually excited to try out the new elemental master. So I'm building a deck around that at the moment. So I'm so so keen to get some games on with that card. So since Jurgen's Curse has come out, I've been playing a Shrine Maiden deck uh, out of Scorpion. Um, I think Shrine Maiden's a great card for Scorpion. I'm on record now. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that deck is filthy, man. That combo that you told me about after oh, yeah. Wednesday night. So here's, here's, a com- well. here's a combo, listeners. So you obviously play as every spell possible for Scorp- uh, Scorpion with Phoenix Splash. See, so I'm playing against the waves. There's three there. Um, I'm actually playing one Supernatural Storm, which is probably a bad choice, but it's in there. Three, uh, sp- what do you call it? The uh, the way the against the waves. That's the restricted card. I've got the, yeah, yeah. the walking the way. <laughs> walking the way is so good in Scorpion. It's unbelievable being able to pull yeah. out the right holding or like a chart uh, ambush target. It's great. Um, but here's the here's the little combo. So Shrine Maiden obviously picks up some spells for you, but you've got your um, Shadow Stepper. So you actually the new the new two cost Shige that lets you pull cards back, right? So you play your Shrine Shrine Maiden, you grab your spells, you pull him back, you do it again, and so you can actually generate some pretty pretty big card advantage. Um, yeah, so and don't worry, don't worry if you don't have a Kami. Uh, what is it, Jurgen's Curse in your hand during the Fate Phase? Just drop your, drop your Wayfire, your Shrine Maiden again during the Fate Phase, and pick one up. Yeah, and it'll also draw you into answers 
like uh, cloud, cloud the mind for your pesky Tadakas or guest of honors. Um, so speaking of the curse, is I was playing a game with uh, Marwan. Shout out to Marwan. Um, and I started playing this curse, and we realized we had to learn how to play L5R. We had to pull out the rule book and figure out how the fate phase actually works. Because we realized when you repeat the fate phase, you actually add fate to the rings again, right? But the yeah, thing we yeah, did, yeah. what we couldn't work out until we pulled out the rule book is in the fate phase, when you fate the rings, do you actually pull the rings back, the ones that are already claimed? So your claim rings. Turns out you don't. That's in the regroup no. phase. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you get double fate on the rings that weren't claimed and then you don't get any fate in the uh, claimed rings. So yeah, but that was All like... Right, I guess... Okay. I guess when a phase is normally like irrelevant in the sense that like you kind of just go through the motions and yeah. through it. You don't really think about all the implications of what that phase. Yeah. So yeah. It's, yeah, that's it's right. Um, that was actually one of the. That... Go ahead, man. I was going to say that was one of the strange things that I found at the Kote was when when I would sort of go through the the fate phase and the regroup phase. It seemed like people didn't really didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Yeah, it's like when you go through the action windows and you're like, "What? Don't yeah. we just go yeah. To the next?" Yeah, turn? exactly. Like, <laughs> how about now? Okay, now we ready everybody, and then we discard, and then we put the fate, the rings back. I think, and, yeah. yeah, I think crab players was, were the only people who cared for a long time because of their <laughs> way of yeah. crab tricks. They're always yeah, like, "We have to do the fate phase right." Um, you learned the, real quickly when your five drop gets yeah, killed you in the fate quickly. phase. <laughs> <laughs> you start paying attention. <laughs> um, just on the Druidian's Curse, because that was one of the cards that I, that we all kind of were shocked by at the, the face value when we read the pack. I've played a few games with it. Um, what do you guys think is the best utilization of it? Because I'm starting to think that like a deck that, that basically pulls all of its fate turn one and tries to get off a reset like turn two or three is the way to do it and cards like waning hostilities might make it into those sorts of decks so you just you're just slowing down the province breaks before you wipe the board and then you have a huge fate lead that's what that's how i'm looking at it i agree but the challenge because you got to do it as well can you do it out of unicorn unicorn or I, don't, I don't think so yep you can you can it's void, void only, so it's just unicorn and scorpion yeah but i'm saying like can you do it out of unicorn is there a deck like if we theory craft a deck out of unicorn that uses curse what does it look like I'm sure Joe will figure one out for us. I'm pretty sure Enzi's probably already got one built and he's he's in the uh, beginner tab of Jagoku <laughs> just crushing people with it. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out, you might find out Mind Desire with Dragon just up at his stats in that beginner tab. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's been in there before. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, okay, so... Let's talk about the leagues. Um, so KP very successfully organized CanCon, um, which is a great Canberra tournament. I did. Yeah, which all, all of us here, uh, we we went up, the Melbourne Knights went up to Canberra for it, and there was a few from around the country. It was probably the first, it was, was the first real national event. It was brilliant. So now I hear you're doing some Oceanic, Asia Pacific thing. Do you want to talk a little about the scene outside of Australia? I could. 
I can say as much as I know, although there are <laughs> limit there are limits to A, what I know, and B, what I can actually speak about. There's a little okay. bit of hush hush going on at the moment. Norris. But Ooh, I'm excited. Have, have you guys ever heard of the King's Moot? It's actually like a Game of Thrones event. Yes, there are LCGs outside of L5R. Blasphemy. I have That's the community run Thrones tournament, right? That Aussies do. It's actually run by one of my mates, one of my good mates who um, is really into Thrones. And so he kind of started up the idea of making this larger event to be part of um, Circuit, right? Um, He didn't, sorry, he didn't begin the Oceanic Circuit. The Oceanic Circuit already existed, but he was like, hey, why doesn't Australia join in too? Mm -hmm. Because um, one of the local players in Sydney is from Singapore, as it turns out, and is also a Game of Thrones player. He kind of came up with the idea. So it wasn't me that came up with the oceanic idea but he's been kind of spitballing the um the oceanic circuit for a while now and so we decided to try and link it up so that australia malaysia thailand singapore the philippines i feel like i'm indonesia one but i think one of them is also possibly vietnam i don't know how huge the scene is in vietnam yeah (laughs) basically southeast asia We'll all have, which are thematically linked to each other, in that they are all under the same banner of the Oceanic Circuit. Here at the moment is to have those tournaments eventually link up to one major tournament, which will be held Ooh. in, been determined yet. Although there's talks of you know shifting it around. If it, if it's quite successful, then it would move around each year. It wouldn't just be always in the same place. That sounds Dude, we should go. Awesome. We should go to Bali. Yeah, <laughs> um, hold it in Bali. And is the idea these events? They, I guess, cotes don't represent the entire world. They're always, um, you know, in a certain few countries, which is fine and great. And these are complementary rather than a replacement to those events, right? Yeah, exactly. They're yeah. they're an extra thing that you can do on the side. I think a lot of the, um, especially like the Southeast Asia region, region will often get ignored as far as cotes or those larger events goes i mean australia often falls into that category too of well mm. fg games we don't we don't really get those kind of more premier style events in australia well i do know that we have some listeners in thailand according to my analytics on the podcast shout out to to our thailand rollers um so that if you guys so awesome. want to so if you guys want to have a stop out in Thailand, I'm sure we could figure out a way to <laughs> take a lot out there. <laughs> For sure. With, um, with the Game of Thrones event, the original idea with it as well was that the entry fees in the national level tournaments, so like, you know, the Australian event, the Thai event, the uh, Indonesian event, would go towards a plane ticket for the winner. Oh, wow. To represent the that country at wherever the host nation was. It's not like an exclusive invitation. So, I mean, if you want to fly there yourself, you absolutely can. But it was just more, you get a stipend that will help you out and get there. That's massive. Uh, I love that idea. I think linking up of regional communities like that is is a really cool concept. I re- I'm a big fan. I hope it goes, it goes places. So if you're in Australia and you're listening or elsewhere, join up to the um, the Facebook group and check it out. It's awesome. And I know there's a big community of like merchandise makers, so I'm sure that it could be. I'm sure there'll be some fun prizes as well. 
huge. I've heard some good things about some merchandise coming out, which I have to keep under wraps for now. Oh, but, exciting. Yeah, there are <laughs> people in those regions who kind of make their own components. So oh, wow. we'll have oh, to see where that goes. All right. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, how about to, to the Discord leagues, which there seems to be lots of at the moment. Um, uh, Toridori, you want to give us a bit of an update on how the Oz Discord League is going? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the Oz Discord League first because I just scrubbed out of the global one, so I'm pretty much (laughs) done with that. (laughs) Uh, I played Shooter Rev at 3am and got got smacked down, so that was no fun. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, The Australian one's doing well. I'm about to pair the fifth and final round. Um, it's It's a pretty tight race, actually, and so the top three players from the Swiss will be uh, selected as our representatives for the upcoming World Cup. And then the top eight is going to be seeded against the French top eight for a unique once-off single elimination uh, tournament. Should be a lot of fun. Awesome. But yeah, the games have been really good. I've been enjoying the league a lot. I don't know how you guys have found it. Love the league. Uh, Yeah, it's funny when um, packs are coming out in the middle of the league. It's always you schedule your game around when you can or can't play certain cards. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I actually, if we have time, that's actually something I'd love to talk about is the six by six um, release schedule. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, we'll talk about that in a minute. I'm ha- I'm certainly having a heap of fun um, playing Unicorn. Uh, I think this will be like it's Unicorn's good now, <laughs> so it's nice. Yeah, I think for so long fun. Unicorn has been trash, and it's great to to put up some results of them. Isn't it um, great to just have to read their cards now? Like you're, you're compelled <laughs> to read them because people are actually playing them and doing well with them. So you don't need to just say, "Oh, they're purple. I just put you in the bin." I feel you like a new, <laughs> I feel like a new deluxe set dropped. It's like we had a six faction game and they've just introduced a seventh faction. We got all these new cards yeah. to explore. It's a whole new faction. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so What's KP- your MVPs so far in that uh, unicorn deck, by the way. Rebuild. Um, obviously, Shatoni yeah. encampment. Rebuild's really critical, and I would say that Captive Audience is really, really, really good. Um, Bonkers card. I love that card. I'd say other component, which um, I think the jury's still out. I've had good results with it so far, but I definitely know that um, a lot more reps need to be put in before I come up with a final answer. But I'm loving Spread the Darkness. I think that that card, in the context of Unicorn, is absolutely fantastic. Um you have to balance it. You can't play it with assassinates, really. But that really makes you take those provinces. And it's a conquest deck, right? Um, it does well, force got, you... You've got, like, yeah. you've got, like, yurts and rebuilds to help compensate for that on a loss, right? Yurts, and I had to... Like, against KP, I actually went for the airing once just to gain two honor to pay for my next... I've been really close in the in the honor race at the end it was like four to five or something yeah actually no it was i think it was lower than that actually <laughs> we're both cellar dwellers <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've noticed that more in general is that the air ring has actually lifted in priority for a lot of players like in my games because there are just people are constricting bids earlier and then also these new cards like std yeah it's really cool so mm. kp you're talking about the the effect of the the six on six what were your thoughts there? Oh. Oh, you might have cut out. 
All good. Sorry. My, oh, you're um, back. My okay. Hello. Um, <laughs> so the six on six. Because I like as <laughs> I've mentioned, I've played a lot of different LCGs. Yeah. I'm used to the pack, like a pack a month style. So for me personally, when the six by six got announced, I was pretty excited for it. I think what tends to happen with LCGs is you get a core set out and it just stagnates for ages. So little content that a, a release a month just doesn't almost feel like enough. Yeah. It takes ages for stuff to change. My six has been weird. I like that the content comes out quickly. Absolutely. Like, I like the fact that we get in six weeks. That part is good. Part of the weird aspect of that, I want a deck build for six weeks. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's this weird thing of like every, every week stuff's changing. And as Merlin was saying, especially in the middle of a league, it's really odd. Yeah, okay. tiny little pocket minutes. It's, it's it's strange. So I feel like need to have it. You know, six packs in six weeks. Why not just at once? Yeah, I think you have. I a- love all the. Yeah. I love all the cards at once. Um, but. There, there is a cost. I think one of the big costs was after that first six and six, there was a lot of like um, player retention problems because there was no communication, which I think they really fucked up with that, like not communicating that they were, they've got things in the pipeline and stuff. Mm. Um, and yeah, it is a big economic thing, right? As well. Like some players just can't afford to buy, you know, 120 Australian dollars or 130 or whatever it is worth of packs in that short amount of time. Which kind of, which is annoying as well. So I understand. I understand. There's there's a whole bunch of arguments. I just, as a competitive guy who likes playing the game all day every day, I love having more cards quickly. But yeah, have you? Found I agree. It Merlin? This is obviously from a competitive standpoint. Yeah. Have you found it, Merlin? You know, I um, I used to. I thought it was a really good idea the first time, and then I sort of went off the idea um, a little bit after that. And then they announced a second one, and I was fairly ambivalent. So to be honest with you. I I just don't know. I do I do like getting a bunch of the cards all at once, um, and I don't really have a problem paying for it. But I can see how people would have problems with it. Yeah. Okay. Mildly unhelpful answer. Oh, <laughs> 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 um, right, just as a note, the few decks that we're talking about, and if we talk about anything else during the uh, podcast, I'll make sure in the podcast notes so you can look in your. Podbean, iTunes, wherever, Google Play, etc., uh, Zoom, um, you can check out the notes and we'll be able to link to the decks. Um, okay, so there was a big announcement, right? Um, oh, yeah. We haven't yeah, even yeah. got to the big announcement, guys. Yeah. I love doing the podcast on a Thursday because <laughs> it seems like that's announcement day, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's not about Russia not about this time. Russia. It's actually about <laughs> <laughs> roles. Uh, do you want to, Merlin, you're the curator yeah. of news stories. Do you want to cover this news story for us? All right. So the news story uh, is called Something is Coming, which I thought was really odd because it's basically an announcement um, of exactly what is coming. Um, so <laughs> they put up 
<laughs> they put up a new organized play page. I don't know if you guys remember um, a little while ago, there was like some news at the FFG, you know, uh, retailers summit or whatever it is that they have about yeah. this tournament that's between store organized play, like regular game night kits and a Kote. There was like this premiere event that wasn't quite a Kote, but it was better than game night kits. Hmm. Yeah, so that's basically what they, they announced. So a bit of detail. Um, they are seasonal type of kits. It sounds like there's going to be three of them a year. Um, they're, they're called the Elemental, Elemental Series. There's going to be elemental, two Elemental Challenges in a year and an Elemental Championships. And it seems like the, the whole point of it is to get more, like the winners of these, these events, the winners of the championships are going to be able to select a role. And then the winners of the elemental challenges are kind of going to go into some sort of voting voting system to choose an elemental role for their clan. And each time they choose, that role will be available for organized play for that clan for something like eight months. So for all of this talk about elemental locking and uh, not having access to different elemental roles, seems like they kind of had this in mind the whole time, right? Hmm. Or at yeah, the very sense. least, they had a reaction to the widespread like butt hurt across the community <laughs> about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the role system has definitely been controversial. Yeah. yeah. Well, deeds yeah. not words, not and words. two roles at once is good. Um, yeah, we were talking about like new deck types and stuff like this. So I particularly like this because it gives me a chance to play with cards that I I I swear to God are. Like I've just been, I've been salivating to play Consumed by Five Fires and Jurgen's Curse and stuff like this that I just can't. Yeah, in yeah. Phoenix, right? Yeah, sure. Um, everybody's got those cards, right? So, ju just for some clarification, so there are three points throughout a year where roles are chosen. Once is at the World Champs, and then mm -hmm. at two Elemental Championship phases, which are they're going to be on events that are only held at co big cons. They're going to be, I think, are, are they bigger than Kotai's or? They run concurrently to Kotars. I don't really know, but for the entire Kotas? period, what's up? Said... I actually thought. Go KP. I say I actually thought like reading the article, it mentions them as similar to like regional level. Yes. Right. Yes. Shouldn't be. So... It, they shouldn't be Kote level. If they're regional level, which is similar to other games, they'll be. They'll probably be like one per major area, if that makes sense. But I imagine it will be a voting system. To yeah, so the Kote now. Yep. Yeah, no, that the, makes sense. Like with uh, whatever, Satoshi Rambo. Um, so I don't think it'll be restricted to cons. It would make sense, I guess, if they put them at a larger event or at a major store. But I don't think it's going to be quite the thing of like, you know, Grand Kote at Gen Con. It won't be. No. Isn't I'm surprised that they. Go ahead, man. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm surprised that they um, said that they were going to run them at cons because that has also been kind of controversial with the whole payroll paywall thing. Um, yeah, definitely. The, the championships are the ones that they're going to that are sort of the regional level things, but there are also the elemental challenges, which are the ones that are run at cons. Oh, sorry. Yes, you're you're correct. My bad. Um. Well, what I found interesting was that they actually reduced the period, the time period of when, of for how long those particular roles are locked in for, from one year down to eight months. So it's mm -hmm. like a two-year cycle where you, in the two years you have 
three different um, reseeding of all the roles in each two-year block, which is pretty cool. Um, so this year's world champion, or, and we'll pick the role for his clan or her clan um, for eight months, which is kind of interesting. Or well, two of so, them, I guess I picked two of them. So if I'm reading it right, I think every four months, or is it every eight? So every eight it's months? every eight months. Yeah, there'll but be a new elemental championship cycle phase every eight months. So ring stays. Yeah. So roll stays active for for sixteen months. Right? So what what happens eight with it months. is you have um. So but say I we've two got two be active at the same time. Yeah, you have two. You have a two rolls for eight months, and then after that eight months, you come up to an elemental championship or a world championship, yeah. and you re you repick roles, and you have oh, another so two for. Oh, eight so months. at those points. Two new roles get picked. Two new roles get picked, yeah. Uh, oh, wow. It's actually slightly different. I feel like we're arguing semantics, but I feel like what it is is there's three different times in the year where a role gets selected. Yeah. The um, It's Winter Court, Worlds, and the two Elemental Championship seasons. Right. The two roles active. So say at the moment we've, got, we've only got one role active, right? We've just got whatever it is right now. Yep. Um, the next season, whatever that may be. So the Toshi Rambo role, second role. So we'll have whatever we have now, role. Yep. Then after Winter Court this year, we'll replace whatever our current role is. So right, for example, right, right. I, I play Phoenix. So Keeper of Water will go away and we'll be replaced with whatever the new Winter Court role is. So only one role well, will be active. Yeah, so no, two roles will be active. Cycle the out. Toshi so whenever, Rambo role and then another new role, right? Whenever he's chosen at Winter Court, yeah. And yeah, what will happen yeah, is whenever yeah. whenever a new role cycles in, so every four months, then the oldest role... Cycles out. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, okay, cool, yeah. cool. That's good. So I'm, just, it, I'm just excited for deck diversity that's good. because... Well, that means every four months be there's a bit of a, a bit of a shuffle. Which is fun. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's great. That's cool. That's really cool. Well, confusing, but cool. I think it all makes yeah. sense once the first tournament happens. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to implore our listeners to come up with a nice flowchart or infographic or something. <laughs> yeah. I'm too dumb to read that fucking article, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I know I know you're you think Lion are quite miserable at the moment. I think you're putting them like below the Nazumi in terms of power level at the moment. Like, <laughs> um, if you got to choose a new role today, what's it going to be for Lion? Oh man, Tell me that's why. Uh, oh, that's <laughs> tough. I can't. I'm like attracted to um, an Earth role for the sabotage. Sabotage is great. Yeah, um, fire and void roles are going to be good for a while. Um, I think just a seeker in general would be nice because I'm sick of of playing with no fate um, from provinces. It's I think it's just such a huge advantage to to be able to have a seeker role. So I'm hoping most clans get like one of each of the role types. That'd be pretty cool. Um, most clans will try and aim for is voting so that they'll have a keeper and a seeker. Yeah, yeah, because then you then you like you in terms of um, your clan's performance at an event, you kind of got. You've got more of a chance of making a statement one way or the other, I think, which is cool. Um, but for Lion, I think maybe Seeker of Earth would be cool. Play with Pathfinders, Blades, and Sabotages. And in Time of Wars. 
That car mm. can get a bit of a, a bit of a <laughs> Well, I think it's <laughs> it's only good if you're recycling Pathfinder's blade because right now there yeah. aren't any yeah. other weapons that are good. But I would dare say it's very good if you're recycling Pathfinder blades. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. I played that in a tournament. Wasn't super legal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just remember being at the next level games in Ringwood and Ben rushes up to me. Man, have you got any crab cards here? <laughs> My splash is illegal. <laughs> I thought, why are not people doing this? This is crazy good. Why not people playing Pathfinder at a lion? It's so good. Turns yeah, out there's a reason. It is really good. <laughs> it was when that pack hit. I just thought, wow, this is the card the lion had been waiting for. Turns out not so much. <laughs> oh man, so many great times, so many great tournaments um, made better by by Hadamoto's cheating. Cheatamoto's, uh, the, <laughs> the Aussie Cheatamoto's. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, major world events. We went through. Has anyone got? Did anyone pay attention to the codes going on? Um, I think there was a Houston Coday recently. I'm not sure who won that. That was shit, Johnny Shen. Johnny, oh, Shen, Johnny right? Shen. Oh, legendary yeah. Johnny Shen. Good to see a bit of clan diversity in the Coday wins. So it's Scorpion again, right? <laughs> 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 I mean, he's an incredible player. So congratulations he to is. him. But, but um, it'd be nice to see a non-crab, non-Scorpion win. But And uh, James Balthus, who came second, who hadn't played in like two months just trashed all of these uh, experienced Discord players. Love it. And uh, he made his fourth Hatamoto status that way. So there you go. Fourth Hatamoto? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice to live where you can get get to four Kote events. <laughs> yeah, and then still not play for two months. It's <laughs> going <Yeah. laughs> I think this game does have a pretty high skill gap and sometimes like very high skill ceiling. Um, I don't know, man. If I, if I stopped playing for four months, I don't think I would do like very well at all. I think that says I'm... Um, Speaking of Kotes, KP, I don't know what role you would have voted for uh, for Phoenix, but I voted Seeker of Void for you, just, said, just letting you know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that most Phoenixes are in the same boat and saying Seeker of Void is probably the role we need most because you need... The problem is we have such a good province that we can't play because shameful display is better. Yeah, yeah, that is Seeker a shame. Of the void, Seeker of the Void yeah. fixes that so much. And is also this... just having fate on defense is pretty good. Because yeah. if Kayomori was any element that wasn't Void, it'd be in every Phoenix deck at all times, right? Absolutely. But because it's Void mm. and we have such high glory, shameful is just so much better. Yeah. I think it speaks to the brokenness of Shameful Display. <laughs> it's just such a broken <laughs> province. Like, it's so is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I was talking about it um, this actually this morning um, with some of the, some of the um, Discord guys um, in the global chat, and we were just saying how, like, against Crane, if you run into their Shameful first, it's a lot of the time you just lose the game. And, and it's the same for them. Like, if, if you're a Crane player and you run into a Shameful Display turn one, yeah, it hurts. Like your odds of winning just drop by like twenty or thirty percent. I reckon it's so hard. Such a big swing. Yeah, I feel like there are very few clans where that's not true. Like that's maybe fair. crab and scorpion. I feel like if you run into their shameful, you probably don't care that much. Yeah, it's not as big a deal. Yeah, but most yeah. other clans, you run into it, and it's like oh boy. <laughs> it's gonna be a tough one. So 
what are people thinking about the deck diversity? Does it feel like the new cycle is just really iterating on the old decks and making them better? Or do we actually think there's going to be brand new archetypes coming out of this? Thoughts? I can start with this because I've been playing a lot on Jigoku. Yeah. And I have to say I'm super impressed with the player base because I, I'm not seeing just reiterations of the old deck uh, old deck types except for dragon play, uh, for crab players, sorry. Seems like crab are kind of stuck in their old ways. But um, I'm seeing like a lot of really interesting splashes. Like I, I, got, I got played, I got at a censure and a spies at court played against me by a crab player and it was devastating, you know, in that game. And I'm just, I just love the innovation. And I think um, uh, all these new cards getting flooded into the environment um, kind of spurs that on. And it makes a lot of sense. It's really cool. Um, whether or not these decks like stick around in th- in six months' time, I don't know. But for now, it's been a lot of fun to be playing. Got it. Uh, anyone else thoughts? Merlin? Okay. Uh, all right. Um, I'm Next. not really sure. I, I think Phoenix have always had a bunch of different splashes and a bunch of different sort of styles. But I think there's always been one... A uh, really competitive one, which is Dragon Splash, uh, don't bow, you know, type of style spell singing deck. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Two two thought thought leaders of Phoenix here. <laughs> Let's have a point counterpoint. I think I've got data to back my point of view up, though. Oh, <laughs> I would definitely say that Phoenix Dragon has been the more popular splash for ages, and mo- it's a pretty safe splash. Like Dragon yeah, it does, ages, it right? does good splash, stuff. Like, Motors Fury had let go, or if you maybe a cheeky tattooed Wanderer or two, or whatever, it's down and it's all good. But I feel like for ages, like I didn't play again. This is a sample size of one, so didn't play Dragon Splash for ages. I played Crane Splash and I played Unicorn Splash, doing fine. I think in the previous Discord League we were playing, I came like third or fourth or something. Um, Global Discord League, I played Crane Splash and I went 7-0 in my group. I was in that group. I suffered at the hands of that dick. <laughs> <laughs> it was a torturous loss. <laughs> like, I, think, I think there were other viable splashes as well. I think Dragon is definitely the most consistent during the um, restricted meta. But I think I think if you didn't pick Dragon Splash, you, you really usually suffered against Voltrons like Crab and Dragon, they were your hard matchups. If you if you were on another splash, you can, you can yeah. still always high roll out of Phoenix, right? Regardless of what your splash is. I'm starting to see yeah, a plague every... of Crab Splash, right? With the Watch Commanders watch and commanders. seeing like a bit of a yeah, yeah. honor pressure. And that one, that one actually, I think, is a much more aggressive deck, right? So it's a it's a real aggro deck. If you don't sort of take the game or get an advantage kind of early, it'll start to peter out strength-wise. But I think I only saw one Kote where anything other than Dragon Splash did anything. I think it might have been Cork or sort of one of the... Yeah, it one was of one of your ones. Yeah, yeah. Where, where we saw one one person come into the top eight with, I think it was Lion Splash. Yeah. And that's, that's really it, though. And, and how... There was Lion one, Splash is wild. There was one in, um, in, I think it was Seattle, the guy who came top four was oh, using actually, yeah, Scorpion. Scorp Splash Dishonor out of the old box. Which is yes. my favorite Phoenix deck. <laughs> I love that deck. 
Weren't you playing some weird mirror gaze version recently, Todori? Oh yeah, I was oh. playing. Uh, that was that wasn't my deck. That I ripped that off Demagogue. I asked him for his because I, I saw him playing Fire Katanas and Mirror's Gaze in yeah. Phoenix, and I'm like, this guy's fucking insane. I want to play that. And I took it to a, I took it to that tournament where you guys all cheated and there were three DQs in the first <laughs> round. <laughs> but it was so much fun to play. I so a completely that. fair test. Yeah, oh, it was great fun. <laughs> we're not playing open rolls. No. <laughs> so speaking. Speaking of that, right, there are so many cards in Phoenix that I really want to be good. And I think that with this cycle, I'm going to go back and try a bunch of them out, right? So Inquisitive Ishka is one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, no how did world, you, that kind of stuff. How have we found uh, Iswa Yuona, the um, fair and balanced two-coster that just came out? Oh, she's, she's, she's grand, as, as the Irish would say. KP, have you Why found not? you only useful? She's very fair and balanced. <laughs> very fair and balanced. <laughs> you, know, you know what I actually struggle with is including the air cards in my deck because it's like Benton's Touch, Cloud the Minds, and wa Walking the Way, and then and maze, the constant right? character Seeking, right? Maze I don't, I don't rate Maze, right? I'm not, I'm not the, in a competitive deck, I just can't bring myself to play it. <laughs> Speaking about Maze, um, just quickly, I've I've come to the conclusion I love I love playing the card because it feels like I'm playing poker. It's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> but um, I was thinking about it, and if you think that you're better than the field where you're taking your tournament deck to, um, like that you have an edge over the field as a whole, I would say it's not worth playing because introducing coin flips is giving your opponent an opportunity to get a fifty percent success rate against you when you should really have uh, an edge yeah. over them. So if you're if you feel like you're not that good of a player, play maze and play and use the use um Kira Nasawa and just play as many mazes as you can because you're gonna blow out people who are much better than you, which is really I cool. feel quite thanks for that. I feel quite uh justified now in running triple maze in all my decks. <laughs> I was gonna say I feel like excellent about running triple maze in my Phoenix build recently as well. <laughs> And Kikuyo, right? You're on three Kikuyo. Kikuyo, yeah. Kikuyo is staple. Is Kikuyo good at a lion? <laughs> staple. Dude, Kikuyo, Kikuyo is apparently a 3x in every single deck right now. Like every time we meet up to test, just every single deck has got three of them and I can't play Especially most STDs. <laughs> Especially if the latest pack had a good spell. <laughs> um, There's been a lot of good spells. Yeah. All I'll right. Jump on something Bert was saying just yeah. then, actually. Yeah. So you were talking about how you wouldn't play Maze. Uh, if you think you're better than the field. Yeah, I would It reminds me some, of some... Go ahead. I agree with your point. I, I get the exact point you're trying to make. It reminds me of something interesting I learned when I used to play Magic. So in Magic, there are high-variance decks. High-variance decks. That even a lot of high-level players would take high-variance decks into high-level tournaments. And the reason was, if you, while I agree that if you think you're better than all of the field, probably not play those cards unless they do something else for you. If you're playing in a field of lots of high-level players, between you and those high-level players is not much. And to yeah. play those high-variance cards. Because right, so on, a, on, a, on a good day... Like if your objective is to win and you're happy with you're you're happy to either win or just go home. 
some sense to play high variance. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's a nice counterpoint, actually. I that that makes sense. I, I personally cannot hack when I play that card. I like, when I play two or three of them and they all fail for me, um, it feels super bad if the game is close. If I'm already stomping the game, it doesn't matter. But yeah, I just, I, I, just, I can't hack that feeling. I think I just feel a bit zen about it. It's just like in poker. You, you get it in when your money's good, and if you get a bad beat, move on. Don't get sore yeah. about it. <laughs> that is a great point. So what I really heard in the past couple of minutes was it's a good card for bad players, unless everybody's a good player, in, then, in which case... <laughs> 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 yes, that is That's exactly what KP and with, said. Great, and with, great summation. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and with that, let's move on to listener questions. Bert, yeah. you're an official curator of listener questions since Glenn is in absentia. All right, awesome. So let's uh, let's kick it off with uh, this one from Monkeys and Pirates, which is a pretty good question, I think. <clears throat> Uh, there's always talk about how the US and EU metas are different. What are the differences and where does Australia sit in the mix? Do you guys have thoughts on this? I'll start with, does anyone have thoughts on this? You know, that's really interesting. I don't know if anybody's actually, yeah, I don't know if I've heard anybody talk about what the differences are exactly. I hear I hear that uh, there's a lot of crane in this region, for example, or I hear they play um, good omen, right? But what does that actually mean, right? Like, what what do they value more than, say, North America? Well, traditionally, know. the European style, as I understand it, has been viewed as like playing playing not to lose and playing hardcore economic styles. Um, like that's why they like Scorpion and Crane over there because they're playing like these um, decks that kind of prop themselves up and then just build advantage. Um. Like in Thrones, for example, um, in, in old Game of Thrones LCG, um, the Europeans would always come up with super efficient, powerful decks. And then the Americans would come up with the meta breakers, like these like creative, quirky decks. Um, in L5R, I'm not too sure. I think I Australia like is just a mixed bag. Australia is a mixed bag. I feel like it's kind of not doing Europeans just to say the Euro meta. Because I feel like it's a big place and there's lots of different metas there, right? Like, I feel like the Greek meta just crushes everyone because they're just better players. But, you know, if you go and play in France, I'm sure it's a, I'm sure there's different trends there to if you go and play in England or something. Yeah, that's fair. I think, I think the Greeks are just aliens. They play a completely different game. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I play it's Demagogue, I'm like, do I know how to play uh, this dude. game? No, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing live? <laughs> All right, cool. So let's just jump into the next question. Yeah, let's um, do it. Uh, this is from Leon on Facebook. What's up, hey, man? Hey, Leon. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Shinobi theme and what will it look like in the future? Let's we'll start with uh, KP. The Shinobi theme is pretty cool. Like, I'm all for pushing trait themes in games. So I'm very happy to see the Shinobi theme is quite different from the, you know, the Dishonor. The standard what seems to be Dishonor event-based control what will it look like in the future i'd imagine probably a lot more conflict characters or ways to abuse conflict characters yeah because they need more of that <laughs> yeah well i always thought that, that was that was kind of the shinobi theme like people people would say oh i can't wait for there to be a shinobi deck and yet they've got like 10 conflict characters in there that just poof appear you know that's kind yeah. of that kind of feels shinobi to me um 
they're not all shinobi though, right? Like, not all no. of the conflict characters that are played are shinobi. And I think that's more what I meant in that there'll be more specifically stamped shinobi-style cards. Yeah. I know, Ben, Ben, you've played with uh, Smoke and Mirrors, which is like an, an incredibly good effect. Yeah. Um, and you've experimented with it. So once there's like a critical mass of that trait, cards like that will see the lower light of day, which would be cool. Yeah. Where I've experimented with it is... So there's two things that it does. One is it lets you get maximum value of your ambushes and charges because you can kind of ambush charge people out and if they're not already a shinobi, you chuck a seal on them and you can pull them back. So combine smoke and mirrors with favorable grounds, you can kind of create a giant force out of nothing. And then when you realize you don't need that many guys, you pull them back, got them for a different conflict. Yep. So doing, doing what other clans do better than those clans is Scorpion's theme. Yeah. And so they're going to take <laughs> they're yeah. going to take the unicorn idea of movement and surprise characters yeah. and just steal that and, and here's do that probably. He, here's the thing, right? I think that if you think about unicorn, right, what they're becoming quite effective at is you can undercommit to a conflict. So you just go, here's my um, I don't know, uh, Shinyo Outrider. I don't know, whatever one of the chuds are. My one drop or my zero drop, whatever I attack, and then the defender, knowing there's so many movement into the conflict, the, the defender has to either overcommit, and then you can just go, that's great, you've overcommitted, I'm going to make my second conflict count, and I'll just let you have this one, and you're not going to be able to attack me. Um, or, if they undercommit, you can bring in as needed. Whereas, I yeah, feel like... Yeah, or you like, just play Spread in the Darkness. <laughs> with or your you play zero, Spread in the Darkness. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and if you're playing Child of the Plains, you do it before they get an option. But um, yep. the... The flip side, I think, is with Smoke and Mirrors, instead of undercommitting to a conflict, you overcommit to a conflict, and then you pull back as necessary. So it's kind of the inverse of Unicorn. Um, yeah, and it's, that's cool. It, it's extremely fade efficient. And it's all about, like, um, in turn, short-term tactics. Like, how do I conflict battle? How do I control the table this turn? Um, and I think that's really interesting. Whereas, like, if you're playing Dragon or Crab and some versions of Unicorn, you're thinking about how can I keep Hita Kasada around for 10 turns and make sure that on turn 13 I'll plot my victory. Whereas... <laughs> 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 so it's a little bit different. I really love it I like and it. can't wait to see more cards that support that strategy. There's not enough Shinobis yet, but we're getting there. New one in the pack yeah. that just, uh, just come out, so that's pretty exciting. I'm excited for just murdering everything with uh, Ar Aramora. Is that his name, Aramora? Yeah, he did. Um, yeah. In yeah. the score pack, that'll be fun. Oishi Amora. Amora. Amora, yeah. He's as well, right? Uh, I think he is. is. I think he's a Shinobi Bushi. Yeah. I, I was on the Shinobi theme. I think that a lot of the Shinobi cards seem to really care about dishonoring themselves. Mm. Yeah, which is quite Like, there was the... I think it's quite a cool theme. Yeah. as well so I'm all right shall we get on to the next question next question Good all right so this is from callum um thank you so much for your question callum i really appreciate this one uh and it's uh why is lion terrible is lion still terrible <laughs> so i think this is a completely loaded question and uh i'm uh does anyone else want to answer it <laughs> i think lion are great then <laughs> i think they're great i think that declaring three attacks in a turn 
is pretty sweet. Pretty, pretty good. Okay, so I'll, I'll quick, quickly jump in here. I don't want to like harp on too much about it, but um, all of our core problems that sort of held us down throughout the Imperial arc aren't going away with any of our new cards, is what I would say, and some of them are getting worse, like the discrepancy between our military and political um, abilities, and also our new stronghold, HMT, which has got people excited, and you, you're starting to see... Um, games like like for example mine's desire playing his dragon deck got got knocked out by handsome dan playing hmt in the houston kotai which is cool um but there is a rumor that's been floating around the boards that unicorns getting the exact same stronghold and if they get that then our greatest new toy is going to be superseded i would say so yeah i think we've got a lot of problems and not a lot of our new cards actually fill those pro holes so that's what i would say about line but there's still a lot of fun to play so if you like having fun play line yeah i think so all right i think we have time for one more question what else yep is there? so last one here this is a good question this is from zyken who's uh i think he's from portland um he says, could you guys share an occasion where you had the most edge situation, ridiculous play, or a junk combo that worked that just made you cackle with glee? The funniest <laughs> moment I've ever had in L5R was watching Ben trigger right in the streets in his province row out of Scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my proudest moves. That was that was the most insane dumb thing I have ever seen anyone do. For he was a recent Hatamoto who did this as well. Why not? Messing at Twilight in that same row. Yeah, that was that was absolutely wonderful. Do you guys have any like standout crazy moments? Super edge plays. I mean, I've had to do stuff like against the waves, Mario and Shigenja on challenge one because I skillfully ran into feast or famine yeah that's that's a low skill maneuver go ahead no i was thinking there was one time but i think i was playing you when feast or famine was like uh just coming out and um i had like a i don't know for five faded up sakune or something like that and i hit feast or famine and was about to break and i think that was the time that i learned that uh what is it finger of jade was a good card yeah i had forgotten yeah. about it i had a let go in hand and i just i just didn't realize because <laughs> we were figuring oh, out damn, how the card worked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i actually do have a good one this was uh actually has a name this maneuver now it's called the ends maneuver so the grinder who was on a <laughs> oh, previous the podcast the best. <laughs> so it's getting towards the end of the round he's playing crab and uh he's got an assassinate in his hand and his opponent has two watch commanders and he's like, yep, this is a good idea. With five on a left, he plays an assassinate uh, to try and take out a dude. There's two watch commanders in the conflict. It's all over. Yeah. <laughs> dude, that was in like the last round of, a, of Swiss rounds at a, at a sizable tournament where he was locked in a mirror and they were both on equal, like roughly equal points and it was time was called. It was the last conflict of the game. And he's just like, yep, I'm just going to kill myself. <laughs> I think he might have yeah, been up on points good. too. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, he would have been up on points. But yeah, uh, it turns out that two watch commanders plus assassinate does equal five on horse. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, 
thanks everybody for uh, for listening. If you made it this far, um, bless you, and uh, cheers for Toridori, Merlin, and KP for joining us. Remember that if you want to contact us, we do have an email address actually, hiddencityrolls <laughs> at gmail.com. So feel free to email us there. Any questions there? But we've also got our Facebook and do we have? We don't have a Twitter account. We got a Facebook account. What else have we got? Facebook's um, uh, just, just contact look- us on Discord. Twitter's Twitter's for dorks, so we're not doing that. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> hidden, you can just type the Hidden City Roller Derby in a Facebook, and you'll find us amongst other roller derby sites. And uh, on Discord, you know who we are. <laughs> 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 so. Thanks, everyone, and uh, see you this time next week.